today on discouragement and just how to battle discouragement. As you saw, people for centuries, people that we respect, church leaders, leaders, deal with discouragement. Um, sometimes you might think, oh, as soon as I you know, get more responsibility, then I won't feel bad about things in my life. But the truth is, I mean, some, some of the most wisest men, some of the, the most influential men deal with discouragement. It's not, sometimes we, we look at this issue and it seems like it's a weakness to even discuss. Um, and, and that's just wrong to think that way. Honestly, we looked at that a couple of weeks ago that you know, the most important thing is just to admit the fact, man, I'm discouraged. I'm down. I've been disappointed. It's really okay. And what you see in the scripture is you see honest men and women who are real with the fact that they're down at times. and They just share that. And then God lifts their spirit over time. But uh, it's okay to, to be honest about these kinds of issues. And so I, I really have enjoyed personally um, taking a look at this for the last three weeks. But I think what, what I didn't anticipate that when I was doing a, uh, a message series on discouragement that I personally would be um, walking through a, a, a lot of personal discouragement as well. Um, but I think that's the way God uses things to teach us. You know, as we look into his word and we begin to work through an area, what he does is he begins to, to test in that area and, and see, all right, how are you going to respond here? And so, um, but God is good. And so I, I'd like to start with a word of prayer and let's just commit our hearts to, to learning and listening to the Lord. Father, we just ask you to speak to us in this time. Thank you for bringing every single person here. Everyone here matters to you, Lord. Every single person has concerns and cares that are weighing heavy on their hearts like we do most weeks when we arrive here. We've come out of a rough week and we're starting a new one. Lord, we need perspective. And Lord, we do desire to um, gain some understanding on life, how life really works. Um, help us to hear your voice above all the rest in our lives. Help us to hear you above our emotions, above our feelings. Help us to take our feelings and to weigh them with, with your word. God, this morning we do ask you to speak clearly to us. Uh, may, may you deal with an issue in our life that is that is precious and something that um, we might be able to release to you this morning, God. We ask you for the ability to do that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, one of the leaders that dealt with discouragement in the Bible, his name was uh, Joshua. I bear his name. My parents named me after this character in the Bible. He was a military leader who um, took the reins from Moses. So Moses was the man that God used, the key man that God used to deliver God's people out of captivity where they had been. Moses leads people out of, the, out of Egypt into towards the promised land. And Moses dealt with... Um, all sorts of challenges along the way. The people were grumbling, they were whining, they were uh, doubting God, they were doubting his, they were doubting Moses' leadership. A lot of people, like, he, Moses would lead effectively and they would be really grateful and rejoicing and then not long after that they would turn on him and, and Moses would go through these emotional battles as well. Moses came to the end of his life and God kind of, um, he brought him up to the edge of the Jordan River, which when they crossed the Jordan River, allowed them to advance into the promised land, the, God, the land that God had promised to him. God let him look into this promised land, but he didn't let him advance. And so he died before entering into the promised land, um, knowing God was going to fulfill this promise for the next generation. He hands the, lead, the leadership over to a guy named Joshua, who was a military leader from before, and, and he uh, was prepared to advance God's people. And you can imagine... 
feeling the weight of this uh, of leadership, the transfer of leadership from one man who was really a, a hero and a leader, and God had done some amazing things through this man, giving it to this man Joshua. You can imagine how Joshua must have felt at that point. You know, here's these millions of people he's leading. God's going to advance them to take a new land with force and some in, in advancing into some areas where there was these people groups that had already formed. They had built up their armies. They had built up their walls. It just didn't look like a real encouraging situation. You can imagine Joshua was thinking, how are we going to do this? How are we going to advance in this land? And God has already established. It's already built up. It's already there's these people there. And God says, I will be with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go before you. One of the things that God told Joshua, because he knew he would be dealing with this whole area of discouragement and emotions, he says to him in Joshua 1, 9, you see it on the screen, he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. He needed two things, strength and courage. Strength is the ability to get our, a firm grip around something. Courage has to do with acting with valor, moving forward, acting with valor. He says, be strong, be courageous. Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He knew he was going to battle with it. and He, he, he said, hey, I'm going to be with you. It's okay to... He knew how Joshua was feeling up to that point. But we often need a reminder from the Lord, from others even, that we're going to have to choose courage throughout our life. I can't say that I hit a point where I'm like, I've become courageous and then from here on out I just advance with courage. I have to make this choice to be, you and I have to make a choice to be courageous pretty much every single day. To trust God takes courage. And so we have to choose this often. And I wanted to, as we wrap things up, really kind of go through and just overview what the scripture says how god can help us turn discouragement around but first let's just review again some of the facts about discouragement really quickly discouragement is just a loss of courage and or confidence you got this outline you can follow along if you'd like to fill this in but discouragement is when we've lost confidence we've lost courage it's discourage dis is a loss of courage Um, and you may feel this way you may have lost your confidence confidence itself to define confidence it says it's feeling able to act effectively. You know, you can hit, you and I can hit situations that just rattle us. They just rattle our nerves. They rattle us. They get us anxious. And we're not sure how we can handle things from here on out. Um, and in this stage, we have a tendency to just become passive, to lose heart. We looked at that a few weeks back. But that's what it means to be confident, to feel able to act effectively. Courage itself is to be determined amid danger or difficulty. It's courage that allows us to venture in life, to move out, to explore. That's, that's courage. When we're, when we're exploring new things, when we're you know, taking new ground, taking a new hill in life, or whatever, you know, that kind of exploration it requires courage. And when you lose courage, typically you lose energy. When you get discouraged, you lose energy. You lose your sense of purpose. Um, oftentimes things just kind of dry up and evaporate in our lives and we just get down. And if you choose courage, you actually have to choose courage in practical ways. You can't just say, I'm courageous, but courageousness lives itself out. It looks a certain way. We often talk about it in generality, but courage requires specific areas, um, applying courage to specific areas. For example, if you choose courage, you choose it in difficulty. Okay? When times get difficult, 
you choose to stay, to not run. Like, I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to stick with this. I didn't sign on for this, but hey, here it is, and I'm not running. That's courage. It's, another word for that would be fortitude. You know, I didn't anticipate this, but I am not going to bail. I'm not going to run. Another thing is, if you choose courage, you choose it in times of misfortune. Misfortune is when we have these unforeseen things, things we hadn't expected, things that just show up that are difficult and damaging. And in those times, courage, you choose to recover and adjust and not just cave in to the way that you feel. And what we do, we, we call this resilience. When we choose this, as somebody who's resilient. They're not caving in. They don't just quit fighting. You get punched once, you don't just lay down. You get back up and you keep engaging the fight. Now, I'm not saying be all fighters here, but that's the idea of resiliency. The idea of courage is you don't just take defeat and back down. If you choose courage, you choose it in opposition. In opposition, you choose to keep your morale and not whine. Rather than saying, man, this always happens to me. It always happens this way. I just never get... Rather than choosing to whine, we choose to keep our morale, to keep our spirit. And we say, you know, we change it. You know what? Oftentimes, it happens this way, but let's go anyway. Let's move forward anyway. It's still choosing to adjust your perspective. You adjust. In in courage, we choose, when it comes up to challenge, when we hit tough spots, um, like, this is going to be a lot bigger than I thought it was, a challenge. We choose to be determined and not surrender. Courage determines to just hang on to uh, resolve. Another thing is when you hit resistance, opposition or resistance, difficulty from people or things or just all sorts of things, you choose to persist, not retreat. That's what courage looks like. You hang in there. We call this tenacity, someone who's tenacious. But overall, this whole area that we're talking about is just a choice to keep staying, standing your ground or pressing forward, not backing off or bailing. And God, God says there's a way to turn around if we're discouraged and to begin to move in these directions of, of choosing courage. But discouragement is also triggered by failed expectations. And we looked at this last week or two weeks ago, I believe. It's triggered by just we, something failed. We had an expectation. You see that progression in the outline. It goes, you know, things move from expectation to disappointment to discouragement to depression. For example, like dad, he walks in after a long day, the longest he's had in a while. He walks in and all that he really wants is a little peace and quiet. He pulls up, walks in the door and it ain't anything like peace and quiet. Kids are tugging at his arms, wife is nagging about this or that, and he just, all I wanted was a little peace and quiet. Can I just get a little peace and quiet today? Or, flip that around, mom's at home with the kids. It's six o'clock, she's been waiting for him to come home all day, the kids have been horrible, she's ready to pull her hair out, he comes in, walks directly to the couch, and falls face forward into it and takes a nap. She was expecting something slightly different might be that you walk in your office Monday morning and you just, there were some problems waiting for you that you didn't anticipate. You, you thought you tied things up Friday, you come back Monday, there's all these problems. You're like, man, I did not expect this. Well, all of those things are a recipe for discouragement because 
it's triggered by just failed expectation. We get discouraged over, as you see on the screen, the results of our efforts. We worked really hard on something. This project, this, you know, all these things that we try to do and then our boss says start over. That's, that's a waste. You did it wrong. Or we get discouraged over the treatment by others. You know, we thought we were going to, to be treated decently and somebody was harsh with us. Somebody mistreated us. Someone said some hurtful things to us. Or maybe we were let down by someone. That's, that's a recipe for discouragement. Or we get discouraged over unforeseen trouble. You know, something very difficult happens in our life. The rain starts coming. The roof starts leaking. The kids get sick. Someone passes away. Bills start piling up. All of these things are, you know, we, we deal with these things. Ourselves not being better. We expect so much more from ourselves. And so we get down. Another thing about discouragement is discouragement leads to failed responsibilities. When we get discouraged, we begin to lose our grip on what God asks us to be responsible for. Also, discouragement, and this is the hardest one, discouragement is a choice. Unfortunately, it's a choice. We actually can choose to be courageous or given to discouragement. It doesn't seem like it at the time. All this unforeseen stuff comes up, the emotion comes up, but we actually have to choose this viewpoint. We have to choose the response of courage. You don't get pulled emotionally towards courage naturally. We actually spiral downward and lose heart and get more discouraged, more discouraged towards depression. So, but there's a way to turn it around. The first thing we do is, is we admit it. We just admit it. We looked at this. We admit disappointment. Ask God, help me, God. I need your help. I admit I'm disappointed right now. Just Psalm, again, I, this verse from Psalm, I wanted to read it again. Psalm 43, 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? This, this man, he's just expressing how he feels. I admit I'm disappointed. Why is my, why so disturbed within me? But then he doesn't just stop there. He asks God for help. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He, he doesn't just lose perspective and wallow and let the emotions run and not express it, but he admits it. He asks God to help. Then, second thing is ask God to show what, what went wrong. <clears throat> Psalm 139, verse 23, looks at this, but very often failed expectations are, are, are due to a cause. Sometimes they're not, but sometimes they are. Sometimes we're disappointed because something went wrong. And so what I would encourage you to do, and the Scripture would encourage, is that we check it out. We check out if our expectations were, were right. Two weeks ago, I looked at this whole area of asking questions about our expectations. I'd encourage you, if you missed that message two weeks ago, all of our messages are online. You can check that out. Just go to our website and, and listen to that message. But it, it leads through five different questions that you'll want to ask about what went wrong in this situation. I'd encourage you to go through that. But, but just to sum it up, look at this first, Psalm 139. David says, search me, O God. He opens himself up. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, sometimes we hit points where things don't go right and we need to be willing to ask God, did I do something wrong or what went wrong? I'm anxious here. Search me and see if there's any offensive thoughts within me. Oftentimes we hit trouble spots and we can find all the problems in other people's lives. Well, if he wouldn't have done this and she wouldn't have done this and he wouldn't have done this and they would have acted this way, 
But what God wants us to do is say, God, search my heart. Show me if I've done anything offensive here and help me to act or help me to own up to what I have done. You're not responsible to change or to or to get them to see it their way. God can God can do that. So just to simply say, God, would you look at my heart? Would you look at my pattern of relating and show me what I've done? Really important. The third thing, though, choose a faith attitude when you're discouraged. Choose a faith attitude. Understanding that God sets the agenda for our life. God is not just out sleeping in the clouds, surprised at our lives and the circumstances that come up. God, He sets the agenda for our life. He's not going to rip us off. And we have to choose to praise Him in the midst of difficulty. Ephesians 6.16, as we looked at last week. In addition to all this, He says, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield is, is a declaration that God will not rip me off. I hold up the shield when discouragement comes. I say, God, I know you will not rip me off here if I'll trust in you. And when the discouragement comes in, oftentimes we don't hold up that shield. We think, I am getting ripped off right now. I, I, I can't trust God. He's not coming through. He's not doing what I thought He would do. I'm going to be abandoned here. I'm going to lose here. God wants you to... This is what faith is. Faith is... God, you know, He always brings us up to the edge to where we have to trust Him to take the next step. And so this is one of those periods in our lives where we've got to hold up the shield and say, God, I've come as far as I can go, as as far as I can understand. I'm holding up the shield right now. I believe You're not going to rip me off here. I'll trust You. I'll do what You've asked me to do. I'll trust You, though. And, and He might show us just a little bit further of a step and we take that step and then we've got to hold up the shield again. God, it seems like if I take another step to trust You, I'm going to fall off the cliff here, but I'll trust You that You won't rip me off. You'll keep coming through. And He will. God is faithful. The fourth thing, though, is reset. Sometimes we have to just reset our confidence in God. If we lose hope, we need to... And if we face a setback that rattles our confidence then we need to ask God, can I start over? I need to reset my confidence in you by evaluating why it has failed. Why evaluate? Why has my confidence failed? Maybe it's like I bit off more than I could chew right here. Maybe I, I bit off a really big bite. Maybe we thought we were greater than this and we need to get a real accurate estimate of ourselves. And that has led to some discouragement. So there's some things I, I have listed for you like, do I have a wrong estimate of my ability? Maybe I just I have an inaccurate view of myself and my abilities. Look at Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Paul says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, a clear-head view of ourselves, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. If we have an inaccurate view or estimate of ourselves, then we're often disappointed. So we need to get accurate. We need to ask God. We need to look at this verse and, God, help me not to think of myself more highly than I should. Help me to see myself as you see me and what you expect from me. Or maybe you need more training. And this is revealed in this whole resetting our confidence stage. Maybe we recognize, I need some more training. I'm not doing very well in this area of marriage, this area of parenting, this area of on the job. Or I need to get some more training. I need, you know, If we recognize that, then we need to go get it. We need to do what we can to get more training. Ecclesiastes 10.10 gives us this. If the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed. 
but skill will bring success. It's an interesting verse. Sometimes God shows us that we've been chopping at a tree with a dull axe. We're swinging away at this tree. We're, we're not changing our, our approach in life. We just keep doing the same things over and over and over. And we relive the same year for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And we're scratching our head, man, why is my life not coming together? We're just using a dull axe. We keep swinging. We need more training. So, Scripture saying, get some advice. You know, get, get some more training. Get some more insight into the area of marriage. I, I think sometimes we, we take the area of marriage and we just take what's been inherited. We take what we have seen and we saw lived out in our own home and by our own parents if we saw that or whatever examples we saw and we begin to implement that. And then if it doesn't go well, we don't know what to do. Well, God wants us to have a broader perspective on how life really works. He speaks so clearly about areas like marriage and parenting, finances and decision making. If you're a student, career choices, all of these things God wants us to speak directly to. So just keep getting training in the areas that He shows you you might be lacking. Another thing to ask is, maybe I just got scared. A lot of us battle with fear. A lot of people here battle with fear. If you battle with fear, you know, Learning to trust God. And what, what does that actually look like as it relates to our fears? Isaiah 41.10. This would be a great verse to memorize if you battle with fear. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We're actually going to look at the issue of fear um, next week, starting next week for a new series. And I'm really excited about this series because... We fear all sorts of things. And you might think, oh, I'm not really, I'm not one that deals with fears, but we're going to look at the fear of betrayal, the fear of the economy, the fear of death, the fear of failure, the fear of significance. And we're going to look at what the scriptures say as it relates to how do I deal with those specific fears in real detail. <clears throat> but trust God. He's the one that can make us actually competent in life. We'll reset our confidence in Him if we'll trust Him to make us competent. The men in Scripture who were, who were getting the most done in life and whose lives were really making a difference for all eternity were those who kept just saying, God, I need you to make me competent. I'm not competent in myself. I, I am a failure on my own apart from you, and I make a mess of things. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians 3, 4-5. through Paul says, Such confidence, confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent, in ourselves, to claim anything for ourselves. But all of our confidence comes from God. He just continued to point at his weaknesses and pointing out how God was competent and could grow him. He, put, he kept resetting his confidence in God. The fifth thing, though, is to choose courage. Like I said, this is actually a choice we have to choose often. Hard things happen in life. And in those times, you have to just make a decision. Painful things, they come up and and sometimes they come up in succession. You know, it's like two, three, four. You're thinking, man, this is getting worse and worse and worse. All of these difficult things are happening in this season. What makes a difference is not how you feel in those moments. What makes a difference is what you decide to do when trouble hits, when failure hits. You have a decision to make. I have a decision to make. You want to meet disappointment with determination. You'll see the, some of these thoughts in your outline as well. Just 
<clears throat> choose to be determined. Re-engage at that point. By faith, work with what God brings. What this is getting at in this verse in Romans 8.28 is, it's actually listed incorrectly in your outline, but it's, up, it's right up on the screen. The verse that talks about our circumstances and the trouble that we face in life, and it says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. Sometimes we read this and we think, that just sounds too easy, too nice. It doesn't say God works. God makes everything good. It doesn't say that God, you know, God... It certainly doesn't say that everything in life is good. It says that God will work with all things for the good of those who love Him. What God does is He's... It's almost like He stirs up everything in life. And what He does is He, he makes something out of that that it can be useful and purposeful. And oftentimes we won't see the outcome. We won't see the results. We won't see how God's going to stir all this up for something good until the end of our life or maybe even from, from heaven to fully understand this whole thing. But by faith, it's a choice again. By faith, work with what God brings our way. Choosing not to bail. Choosing not to just get angry at God in the moments when we're discouraged. And then talk, talk the truth to yourself. Tell yourself the truth when you're being discouraged. These are all some tools that I think that, that God gives us. Just something like God, you know, God will help me. Declaring that. God will help me. That Isaiah 41 verse that we read. That might be a verse that you want to remind yourself in. Just talk the truth to yourself. Think, God, you will help me. Or God will guide me. Proverbs 16.9, In his heart a man plans his steps. Or plans his course. But the Lord determines his steps. Just declaring that. God will guide me here. God will guide me. Rather than giving in to all the thoughts and emotions. Or maybe the thought is that you need to say is, it's going to take a little longer. You had thought, oh, I got this thing all tied up and figured out, and this, it's just going to take a little longer. You know, I remember um, at times when I thought I was going to be able to enroll in certain classes or finish a degree program by a certain time. It took me eight years to finish my master's degree. And uh, I, it's, a, it's a long program to get the, the degree that I went after. And it normally takes about four years anyway. It took me eight years. And uh, the thought at times would be like, oh, I was getting near the end. I'm like, man, I just want to get done with this. This is kind of a drag at a certain point. It's going to take a little longer here. It's going to take a little longer. Or maybe just my outlook towards the church. You know, certain things that we'd like to see happen and certain things that I'd really... As as the, as the leader, you know, that may work on me in, in my mind about what would happen here in our lives and as we try to help people grow and commit their lives to Christ, telling myself the truth, you know, it's going to take a little longer. This isn't just microwave situations, you know. It would be nice if we could just, you know, put our lives in the microwave and pop out and we're all done, done, ding, feel better, my life's better, I'm more mature, but it's going to take a little longer. Isn't it? We have to remind ourselves of that when we're going through it. Or maybe the thought is, God will just teach me more than I thought. I didn't expect this, but God, you will teach me more than I actually thought you would here. Paul, Paul talks in 2 Corinthians about some of the very, very hard things that he went through in life. Several times this man, Paul, was beaten. Several times his life was threatened. Several times 
He had rocks thrown at him. Several times he was ship, you know, he was he was shipwrecked carrying the gospel, sharing the message of Jesus to different areas. And he says this. He says, "We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships that we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, he says, we felt the sentence of death." It's like, man, we were convinced we were going to die doing this. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to, to deliver us. Whenever the, oh no, whenever that hits, we have to decide, you know, God... You're going to teach me more than I thought you're going to teach me here. You've got a different, you're working on a different plan than I had in mind. God's going to teach me more than I ever knew, but it's a choice. It's a, cho- it's a choice to believe that's the case. Another thing is stop the enemy. When the discouraging thoughts come up, stop the enemy. We have a very real enemy who comes after us in a very hand to hand combat, up close personal combat way. He uses thoughts. Sometimes the enemy puts thoughts and feelings in our heads. Just say, I refuse. You can say something. What I typically will do is I refuse that discouraging thought in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I refuse that thought. I'm not going to buy into that thought. I don't know where that thought came from. I wasn't thinking that yesterday. Why am I thinking this now? I refuse to accept that thought. I refuse to be discouraged about this. Matthew, and this is a pattern that you see in Scripture. Look at Matthew 4. 8 through 11. Jesus is being tested by the enemy. <clears throat> he goes through three different tests, and the third one is in verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms in the world of the world and their splendor, and he said, All this I will give to you. He said, If you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. He came at him. He says, "Get away. I'm not gonna ref- I, I refuse to accept this. Get away from me, he says. And then he quotes a scripture that, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. And it says, Then the devil left him. The devil backed off. And the angels came and attended him. And the devil didn't leave him forever. He, he kept coming at Jesus in his in his life on earth with discouragement, with accusations, with criticism, with thought. I mean, there was just a battle. But at, at this moment, he recognized, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop the enemy here. He tells him to get away. Second Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 is a verse. Sometimes we go into battle or we're, we don't realize we're actually battling a spiritual battle. This life that we live, if you decide to take God seriously and enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, You've engaged in a spiritual war that, that we can't see, but there's some dynamics at work that we need to be very aware of. And sometimes we engage in the battle and we leave the weapons at home, or we have no weapons at all. So we're in the battle and we're just, poof, oh man. You know, we walk in again and we, poof, oh man, I don't even know where this is coming from. And we, we get beat up and we're trying to fight back and we just can't do anything because we don't have any weapons. We don't know what to do. Paul's trying to say here is there is actually some weapons that are powerful that we can use when we're dealing with discouragement. Look at this first. The weapons we fight with are not, of the, the, are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, 
They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We have the most powerful weapons. The, the, the weapon that we use, we have the, the armor of God that, that God supplies for us to battle the enemy. But the offensive weapon that God gives us is the Word of God. This is called the sword of the Spirit. You find in Ephesians chapter 6 a listing of these different pieces of armor. God gives us the sword of the Spirit so we can actually offend and to come at the enemy with Scripture. On the contrary, they have divine powers to demolish strongholds. Verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Not every thought that comes to our head has to control us. What we have to do is learn to take the thoughts that come into our head and force those thoughts down and weigh them with what God says is true. We force them into submission and obedience to what Christ has said. That's what this verse is saying. And when we do that, and we, we come back at these thoughts with Scripture, um, the enemy backs off. And it, it may, it's probably just for a season, but he, you know, this, this has power. God, what God is saying here, these are weapons that can tear down strongholds. So make sure you're using God's uh, Word. Another two more things. Keep your thoughts on right things, not on dark things. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, that's honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What this is saying is you need to tie your mind to some things. You need to tie your, your thoughts to the right kinds of things because if you don't tie your mind is some things, your mind is going to run off in the wrong direction. A friend of mine calls this God's leash law for our mind. This is God's leash law for our mind. We've got to tie our mind off to the right kinds of things because our minds are just like dogs. If a dog's not on a leash, it runs down the street, it's in the trash can, it's in the curb, in the gutter, you know, it's digging up stuff, it's all over the place and you can't catch it. It's, our minds are like that. So put a leash on your mind, is what the Scripture is saying. Every time it runs off, pull it back onto what's right, what's true and noble. You don't have to do the downer spiral. That's why the Scripture is saying, hang on to, think about things that are excellent, praiseworthy. Think about the right kinds of things, not the wrong things. And we can help each other. This is a part of encouragement, where we can come alongside when someone's battling. Just say, you know what, let me give you a thought to think about. Let me give you the right thing here. You begin to, do, to work this thing through. Tie your mind to that. The last thing is start forward. When you're discouraged, it sure helps to help someone else with their task. Earlier this week, I was battling with some discouragement, and, and I was pretty frustrated about a circumstance, and, and I, I was pretty worked up, and I, I was heading home, and I, I thought, I'm going to bring home a lot of discouragement, and we're going to be discouraged together. I need to stop, and I need to do something. I went to the store, and I picked up something that I knew that would cheer my wife up. And uh, as I was buying this thing, I'm walking out the store with, this, with, with these flowers. I'll tell you what it is, so you're not wondering. What did it? Ooh, I wonder what that meant. <laughs> A little too personal. So I'm walking out with these flowers, man, and I am just, I am beaming. My, my countenance changed as I was paying for it, as I was thinking, you know, I know my wife is going to love this. This is going to brighten her day. It was brightening my day, and I don't even like flowers. I don't care about flowers at all. But it, it really lifted my spirit. I got home. She wasn't there yet. I washed some dishes, did something I knew that would be helpful. And I'm washing dishes. This is helping me out. I'm feeling better. 
about my own discouragement. That's, that's, we need to start moving forward. Make a, make a do list. Pick one task and get going. Maybe, maybe because of discouragement, you've spiraled downward to where you've let go of some responsibilities and some things. And there's just a big long list of things that you've let go of. You open the fridge and there's all this moldy, hairy food in there. And you're like, you know the best thing to do? Open the fridge, get all the hairy stuff out, and clean it out. That, that does something for our discouragement when we just start moving forward and digging our, you know, changing what, what we've uh, been thinking. So we're going to go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, the band's going to come up and lead us through the rest of the service. Father, thank you again for your word and your truth. Lord, I pray that some of these um, thoughts from your word have been helpful and practical. Lord, maybe you just use some of these things to encourage us today as we, um, we ask that you lift our spirit, too. God, for those that are, that are carrying some things right now, Lord, there's some things that aren't going away in our lives. There's some hurt, there's some loss, there's some pain, there's some difficulty, that just a simple prayer isn't going to take it away. Lord, because the reality of our circumstances might just be so heavy that, Lord, we're going to have to keep handing this stuff to you. But, Lord, I pray that you'd respond with some real encouragement today to, to everyone here. Lord, if, if there are people here who just need just need to hear your voice and need to get back on track with you or moving forward, Lord, I pray you'd provide that to them this morning, Lord, as we, as we sing. Lord, when we sing, it's our opportunity to release some of our, our thoughts, to release some of our emotions, and to sing and to say, Lord, this is true of you, and I believe this stuff, and, and I, I, I'm going to hang on to this stuff. Lord, that's, our singing is a declaration of our faith, Lord. It's us taking the shield of faith and saying, you're not going to rip me off, God. These things are true. Lord, help us as we respond to song to really sing out and to praise you, Lord, even amidst the pain that we might be going through, Lord. We love you, God, and we thank you for speaking very real to us. Amen. If you would, just quickly take out this card. Our our ushers in just a moment are going to be coming up and receiving our offering. Um, If you take this card out and finish filling it out, 